0: This is a Brain Tools Tools episode, a 20-minute cutback version of our full podcast where you walk away with six practical brain tools you can use to hack your brain and level up today. If you want more of the neuroscience and research behind the tools, you can find the full version of this episode on Spotify, iTunes, and at the link below. But for now, it's time to get your six brain tools.
1: Everyone's favourite section. We're now in the brain tools. Six brain tools by uh, obviously your resident neuroscientist, so to speak, uh, in terms of improving uh, dating, but more importantly, just more fulfilling, I suppose, relationships. And the the premise I've got here, Sam, is more because the the brain tools we're going to about to speak about aren't necessarily all neuroscience-based because it's very hard to say what's the neuroscience of dating and then take out some really clear brain tools based on it. Psychology is generally the emergent property of neuroscience. And so a lot of these are based on social psychology um, and cognitive psychology, yeah. as opposed to saying here is neuroscience-based tips. And I want to make that as a bit of a disclaimer so we don't reach uh, too far away, if you're okay with that.
0: I'm okay with that. And it's a good point. So like contextually, we know that the the neuroscience of love and dating is super complex and it, and it really hasn't been mapped out. We've kind of got this this drawing in crayon from a two-year-old rather than a fleshed out blueprint. So it's okay if we lean on a bit of psychology for this section. I'm okay with that.
1: I appreciate it. Which leads me to brain tool number one which I'm uh, pretty excited for. And I will I will posit just my little hedge. This is probably not uh, in terms of enhancing people's dating lives based on neuroscience, but I would hope that if you get this right, it will definitely lead to some positive downstream consequences. And brain tool number one, Sam, is know why you're on the apps. Yeah. The re- the reason I put that forward is I would posit when I first got on to the apps, I was probably doing it for two factors. One, everyone told me about them, so I was curious about it and number two i was like what's the harm it was peer pressure and what's the harm like i'll try it out it's technology i'll have a look and so it's important for people to consider why they're on this in the first place as opposed to just um being on autopilot and downloading them otherwise you might find yourself getting addicted to these apps and when i say addicted again light addictions we're not talking about drugs and so on um but then lead to superficial relationships and a waste of time at the end of the day and this is a very simple tar uh, sort of tool to use. It's just an evaluative framework with four questions. And the reason I put this, as you know, I'm quite mathematical. My four questions are,
0: how many times have
1: you swiped? How many times have you swiped? I don't think people really keep track of it in reality. So let's just assume you've swiped a thousand times. Based on those a thousand, how many matches have you had? And actually evaluate this. Is it 10? Is it 20? Is it 30? I'm not saying keep a spreadsheet, but you're looking now at 3% of all your swipes leading to a match. Of the match, matches how many people do you actually speak to and then of the ones that you speak to how many do you actually meet up with and what's the time spent and I'm not trying to disregard and say don't go on the apps but if you understand why you're going on them you also understand the limitations of them and that in reality you're investing time in a platform like you would any other social media medium and to be very cognizant of it because you are what you spend your time on.
0: Wow analyzing your own App usage algorithm.
1: Pretty much. And especially given how many notifications pop up. Like, yeah. let's be
0: frank. Well, like the notifications you know, are rife. That's the problem, right? I, that's that's a, a great one. I had never thought about doing that and now that I'm not in the game. But the one thing I did used to do when I was using dating apps and one thing I always recommend is like fight the addiction with your notifications, turn them off. Turn all the dating notification off. Uh, notifications off. And this is a no-brainer. Lots of people know this. I know this is common sense, but I'm going to give you a quick why you should want to do this. It's because every time your phone buzzes, pings, bings, brings, whatever wacky sound. <laughs> I, you feel, I don't know Insert what the kids sound. These days. Uh I remember back in the day where, uh, you know, you could purchase ringtones and that was great. But like, what have you got? you get a rush of dopamine and other neurotransmitters just from that notification, which is what reels you along this addictive pathway to usage. So when your notifications are on and you're using the dating apps, you're constantly imagining you know, matches with attractive people that make you really exciting, and it just hooks you to that dating app. So go to your settings, turn them off, and be really deliberate about when you use it so that you're not hooked by those notifications. Really, really simple brain tool. Turn your notifications off.
1: I really like that though. I know it's it's simple, but I mean, if you're evaluating why you're on it and then you're actually turning off the notifications, you're not going to have that yeah. as we spoke about earlier. Dopamine rush of, oh, someone that might be good looking, that is the key yeah. variable I'm analyzing, has swiped me. This is amazing. Here's my 10-year story with this person.
0: Yeah, exactly. Totally. And you think about it from a distraction standpoint as well. I remember when I was on the dating apps and working and you'd be having message conversations with people. It's so hard to stay focused in work when you think someone that's, you know, really attractive has just messaged you. So hard.
1: It makes a lot of sense to me. And I think when we look at the, you can imagine you're on like a profile now. The the really important part is obviously the conversations you end up having with people as well when you're on yeah.
0: it. Totally. So how do you go about having better conversations? Because it's obviously a little bit unnatural talking to someone via text. You don't get the, the same cues you get face-to-face, the visual cues. The 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 tonal cues, like what can you do?
1: It's so funny you're asking this because every time people bring it up, they're always like, "It's all about the banter." (laughs) The number of times, the amount of about banter and having fun, and sure, that is very important. But I'm hopefully going to give a pretty practical brain tool that actually um, is probably pretty established in both online and offline dating. And the brain tool is ask more follow up questions. So mm. I think the, the research study that was done about this, and there was a, a fair few studies, but there was two, that they examined more than 600 online chat participants tasked with getting to know each other, obviously in not a forced setting at all, so organic and so <laughs> natural. <Yeah. laughs> and <Okay. laughs> what they actually established though, and again, and there was a later third study they did in speed dating as well, but the, the, the premise was this, people ask different types of questions. There are six really different types of questions. You've got introductory questions. I'm introducing myself. You've got mirror questions to match and mirror with the person. You've got full switch questions, which is you switch the topic altogether. Partial switch, a little bit of a change. Follow-up and then rhetorical questions. The 44% of all these questions, more than any other type, were follow-up questions. And the key conclusion that came from these three studies, those who asked follow-up questions were better liked than those who didn't, which is pretty nuts.
0: Crazy. So you, you basically tell me that there's a one type of question which we prefer.
1: Absolutely. And the really interesting, and again, I'm going to posit this as a hypothesis, not a conclusion, but it's twofold. A follow-up question requires you to listen to what the person has said or read what the person has said and yeah. use that in the question you're formulating. So it shows I've actually read and listened to what you've said. The second thing, though, is it then leads to the person communicating more. And you always hear people talk, you should spend in sales meetings, and I'm not saying this is a sales meeting, but you should spend 80% of your time being quiet and 20% of your time talking. Again, whatever that means, the key variable is showing interest. That's essentially your methodology of showing interest, is by thinking about what people are saying, really internalizing it, and then going through it. And I've got some pretty, hopefully, practical tips, and I'm not saying this will work all the time, but hopefully, on how... Sam, we use that sound. Can I share with you practically how you use it?
0: You can definitely share with me practically how you use it. Just really quickly on that that listening, I had a little bit of, uh, on that listening because I think it's really powerful to mm. know that showing your listening Please. is really effective for communication because what actually happens is when you show the other person you've listened to them, the reward, the social reward centers in their brain light up. And there's been research that shows this happening in real time and being understood. Is inherently pleasurable. So when you're asking these follow-up questions, like the like you suggest, you're making them feel good because you're showing you care and you've understood what they've said. So just wanted to add that little little oh, bit of color commentary. That
1: we're painting Da Vinci. We're reading it right now. You know that. But based on what you're saying, though, um, to, to be fair, I, I totally agree with that sentiment because it's the whole seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Rubby. But Rubby. you know it. But as a baseline, people just like to talk about themselves. That's not a bad thing right? But people They're like true. to talk about themselves. And so, if you can play that uh, position, being mindful, I'm going to hedge here, that the, to both extremes, not great. You don't want to not ask follow-up questions, but you don't want to ask too many. Otherwise, you become intrusive and you don't share enough about yourself. So, practically, if I'm somebody that is even on a date, uh, and this is coming from a non-dating person, vice, but uh, that or online, look at people's bios legitimately. I know this might seem silly, but people's introductions are normally hate. How are you? I mean, if you look at someone's bio, you ask something. You're already starting that. Set a number of goals. A goal for the number of questions you want to ask. So the the studies actually showed five to nine is a really good marker to just set as a goal in your head. So it brings conscious mm. awareness to doing so. And then when you do ask those follow up questions, it's actually really important to give a vignette about yourself before doing so it's the same parallel with the job interview give a bit of information about yourself and ask the follow-up question so the follow-up question is colored by your own personal experience then you get the best of both worlds someone actually being hey they're sharing stuff about themselves but they're also simultaneously super interested in that and just be mindful of not overdoing it you don't want to have a conversation with someone that is like a job interview where you have 20 follow-up questions and you share nothing about yourself otherwise it's like i'm evaluating this person with my checklist of ready (laughs)
0: 100%. 100%. And it's like one-sided too. Suddenly they're talking to themselves. No one wants to interview themselves.
1: Uh, no, not not at all. Not at all. And I think that becomes a very interesting uh, idea to look at, obviously, yeah. assuming you've matched with someone, right, on these dating apps or in life. And there's a lot of variables I know you looked into that uh, dictate
0: whether someone swipes right or swipes left.
1: Or I think I have that guy
0: right. Get it right. Get it right. It's right. Which we're going to cover in uh, the next section uh, with the last three brain tools for this episode. So stick around for that. Okay. And now the last section of brain tools, the last Three brain tools. This is where we're getting really nitty gritty with some neuroscience, especially from me. Are you ready to go, Kieran? I am excited about this section.
1: I'm pumped. You hit me with yours. I'm ready. Brain tool number All four. Right.
0: Brain tool number four. Make your profile pick easy breezy. Well,
1: firstly, I'll say I like the rhyme, but second, what does easy breezy mean? What are you talking about?
0: What does that mean? <laughs> so- the rhyme is great. You're welcome. But <laughs> what what this means is make your profile picture easy to process as a photo because this is seen as more attractive. Now, I will have to break that down a little bit. Brian. Yeah, please. So brains prefer images that are easy to to process. It's called cognitive load or cognitive ease. You know, Daniel Kahneman like to talk about because of this energy conservation that we have as part of our survival mechanism. Anything that was easy is seen as preferable because the brain expends less work. But there was actually a a study done on this kid. There was a study. Oh,
1: study galore. You know I like a study. We've talked about some studies. What was this study about?
0: So there's there's a study on this uh, performed by Unravel who create this EEG machine, which is basically like a brain scanner. And what they did is they conducted a neuroscientific study into online dating and Tinder, and they, they got 30 pictures of people, right? They got 30 pictures of people hmm. to simulate Tinder and the swiping experience, and then they got 14 guys and 13 girls into a lab, and they had them swipe left or right on these photos. So basically like you would do with Tinder. But the difference was while they were doing this, they had this cap on their head measuring activity in their brain so they could see what was happening. And they, they wanted to do this for a couple of reason. reasons um, because they found that through measuring brain activity with this EEG cap, they could predict attractiveness based on yes. activation of a specific area, which is crazy. So there's an That's area nuts. called a, prefrontal, uh, a pattern of activity called prefrontal asymmetry, and they could see anytime this lit up that the person would be attracted to the photo, and they could predict this before the person even said it, which was crazy. But the more interesting part, and then come comes to this point about making it easy breezy, is they figured out what kind of profile pictures to use.
1: <laughs> Did they right? actually? Oh wow, this is totally gaming the it, system.
0: <laughs> it's totally gaming the system. Like this is, you know, I almost feel a little bit dirty about sharing this information, but it's it's fascinating. And for people out there who are struggling to get a, a match, a swipe right, this might really help. So it turns out, pictures that were harder to process, that had more going on decreased the perception of attractiveness. People rated them as less attractive. Well, The higher the cognitive workload, the busier the photo was, the more complex, the less attractive the person. So put simply, people were more likely to swipe right on pictures that were really easy to process. So I guess the question is, what does easy to process mean, right? It, it,
1: like it's, I'm, I'm taking notes, clearly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, Kieran, take, note, take, take notes because uh, you could use this. So according to the study, so there are five things that make a, a picture complex. The number one is color contrast. So the contrast between your colors is your photo really light and there's Ah. no difference between you and the background because if there's no contrast, it's too hard to tell who you are. And it's almost like the brain is squinting to figure out who you are and it doesn't like that. The brain doesn't like to squint. So the more color contrast, the easier to see your face, the better. Number two, background noise. And I'm, I'm not talking about sound because obviously there's no sound. Podcast. <laughs> Can you hear the background noise in my chair? Background noise is the stuff happening in your background. The more work the brain has to do to figure out why you're there, who you are, the, the less attractive it perceives you because of the cognitive workload. So, you know, busy streets, lots of people, activities, colors, they all reduce the perception of attractiveness. They all make it harder. Hmm. pretty crazy
1: interesting and there were
0: three more three more quick ones other people just like background noise you got too many other people in the background
1: i'm not gonna lie i was about to ask this i was like i feel like if you're talking about complexity i feel like the number of photos that i've seen and my own have so many people in there but what you're saying is the more objects the more complexity the less likely people are to swipe in a positive manner
0: one 100 you like the brain needs to be able to identify in a second who the main person is. And if it's you in a group of 10, you go through that mental process of like, oh, which one is he? Or which one is she? Is she the one second from right? And you, there's all this thinking that happens that detracts away from that split second judgment. Um, yeah, it makes sense. So have a solo picture. The last two, turns out the brain prefers images that are just the top third of your body. So for whatever reason, we find these <laughs> the most attractive. I don't, I don't know why. This was just what the research found. Oh, this is a checklist. I am failing epically. <laughs> yeah. So you, if you've got a full length shot of your entire body with a group and busy background and low contrast, you're probably <laughs> losing quite a few attractiveness perception battles. <laughs> um, and the, the last one, which is this, should be pretty clear. But show your face. No facial obstruction, so anytime people had sunglasses on or something obscuring the face, they were perceived as less attractive. Which it's all—it's all really about humanizing it, right?
1: So, are you talking about? So, are you basically saying to me that Pitbull would struggle on Tinder?
0: I i am saying conclusively that Pitbull <laughs> is a Tinder failer, <laughs> Mister Worldwide. Does not get <laughs> oh,
1: it's one of my worst jokes ever. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> and on to the next
0: section. <laughs> so <laughs> to wrap up that, that really long brain tool, make your, make your profile easy. Take out the people with the background. Just have you. Don't cover up your face. Make the contrast good. And you're good to go. It's all really – it's about making it human. And you've got a brain tool about making it human.
1: I do, yeah. Brain tool number five, which is uh, a recent addition to uh, the, the dating app scene, which is using voice notes plus video, not just mm. text. Now, this might be a controversial point, but you've I think we've got to remember that we're already in an online world and that already takes away largely from the human mm. experience to a degree, right? It can add, but it also can subtract. And I think when we talk about when you're putting your best foot forward in any particular situation, it does involve uh, humanizing every single interaction. And people, there are so many studies done, and I'm not going to go through a, uh, through all of them, but I'm um, more persuasive when they're able to use their senses. They're able to see, they're able to yeah. hear, they're able to feel what is going on in a conversation. But it also leverages the oddball effect. And the oddball effect being that most people are just going to use text. So if you would like to stand out from the crowd, people are more likely to respond to have that dopamine bing um, if it's a little bit more novel. And so doing a voice note of saying, hey, how are you or going onto video conversations eventually um, will be really, really positive. And again, there's not a, Mm -hmm. a big on how do you use this? It's quite literally use the voice note uh, component within these apps, use the video app and actually go to that. Cause as we said, the courting process is probably going to be a bit longer given um, you are, uh, we're now obviously in, in a COVID-19 world. Yeah. Uh, and so humanizing every interaction you can possibly have may make it more meaningful for you, but also can obviously make it a little bit better for the person uh, there. But you obviously want to be mindful of overload on these apps because i feel like if there are three billion swipes as i said before on this you can you can sort of go into overdrive i feel sam
0: you totally can i love that like humanizing the interaction because text is just not that human there's no sound and sound is so contextual right um you definitely can go into overload and that's leads us into the last brain tool which is just restrict your swipes you know limit limit yourself to a maximum for a day I'm I'm begging you, Kieran, please restrict yourself.
1: Shut up. This is not true. You're giving me this terrible <laughs> reputation on this. This is literally not true.
0: Kieran's Kieran's actually pretty good at this. And that's because he understands the science of why you should do that. And why should you do that? Well, really simply, reward repetition leads to addiction. So if you're swiping all day, you're repeatedly firing that neural pathway, that synapse in your brain. And you're wiring and wiring and rewiring and strengthening that connection. It's called myelating. So, over time, you're teaching yourself to swipe, not to date, to swipe, especially because it's addictive, like we covered before with the dopamine. So, really simply, set yourself a hard limit. Say, I'm going to cap out at 20 swipes a day or 30 swipes a day, whatever it is, and be really deliberate about sticking to this because the more you swipe mindlessly, the more it becomes a hab- hab- habitual addiction that you won't be able to break as easily. And we've all been there. We've all had the mindless swiping sessions.
1: Well, as we go back, and this is reminding me of our of our episode on breaking bad habits, make it hard, mm. make it difficult. Yeah, that's
0: it. And it's also like being more conscious too. I found that uh, when I was using the dating apps and I restricted myself to you know 20 swipes a day, you actually you care about who you're swiping left and right on. You read their bios, you try to figure them out. Because it's not just a numbers game. Now it's okay. Who is this person?
1: It's a very, very good point. Philosopher Sam, dating guru Sam. I like it.
0: Oh God! Don't you dare paint me with that paintbrush. (laughs) (laughs) Like (laughs) what? (laughs)
1: <laughs> that is that is your worst line ever i'm hoping to do that i thought Just, uh, my was bad but look you made me laugh
0: it's, it's really gone off the rails here which is a short <laughs> flash <line. laughs> we should wrap this thing up asap I,
1: I think we i think we need a retreat <laughs> I, I, think
0: we're, I think we're done for the day i can confidently <laughs> say that so on that premise uh what's what's your 80 20 rule what have you got
1: my early 20 rule, uh, and I'm still laughing, I'm really sorry, but um, humanize, stop making me laugh, humanize every interaction you have uh, on any of these dating apps. Uh, just because it's online, it doesn't mean it makes it inhuman. I think it's very important to leverage the things we've spoken about to have human interactions and to really evaluate the value it's providing you. And you Sam?
0: Powerful. Look, dating apps are purposely addicting, but don't think of them like dating apps think of them as dating introduction apps so be really mindful of how you're using them of all the addictive properties they have and fight back against it with some of the brain tools we covered but also be mindful that you know they're a way to introduce yourself to people they're, they're not a replacement for dating
1: yeah dating sam if you're a guru i love it
0: uh, Dad, i feel so <laughs> greasy right now is this how pickup artists <laughs> used to feel
1: oh jesus not great oh, they're God. terrible
0: okay uh that's that's pretty much us for the day uh for this episode thank you so much for joining us really looking forward to next week's episode which is on testing kieran to see if he gets this one right the
1: neuroscience of relationships i've got yeah. this one down pat now i've i've been burnt by the vitriol that came burnt. my way from everyone on forgetting so i'm on it now
0: well deserved and that one's uh, very close to my heart being a long-term uh relationship which has also turned into a bit of a long-distance relationship thanks to COVID lockdown so plenty to talk to that next week um before we go just wanted to say thank you very much for tuning in and for all your amazing feedback and If you are loving the show, jump on iTunes, leave us a review. Uh, It means a lot. It helps us reach more people. But if you are really enjoying the content and you've got some people you know who could benefit from learning a bit more about their brain and stress and well-being and sleep right now, especially considering the current conditions, what would be amazing is if you take a quick screenshot of uh, your podcast app with the brain tools and just Chuck that up on your Instagram story. It helps us reach a whole bunch of people in your network and, and grow and help more people out. And that's pretty much me done for the day. My voice is dead. Uh, anything to add before we uh,
1: exit? Not at all. Just, Sam, I'm so proud of you your... your uh your last 50 odd minutes of, of fantastic dating advice. I know that you're basically going to replace Dr. Phil right now. And I'm, I'm incredibly proud of you and, and really looking forward to all the advice that comes next week. Um, so thanks so much for, for doing that. Uh, and obviously uh, for those listening, in Instagram posting that, that'd be amazing, especially given um, what's happening in Melbourne right now, given lockdown, but also the rest of the world,
0: um, help people help themselves. <laughs> help people help themselves. I'm not that. I'm, I'm not Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> but I
1: but... sorry I, I tried to round that up being really serious because i like i just i saw your face and i was like i gotta i gotta move out of this okay. but i'm really i'm really proud of you and i'm, I'm really looking forward to relationship advice from sam
0: really good come and see you next week guys thank you so much for listening to this tools cut of our brain tools podcast where you got just the six practical brain tools you can use to hack your brain and level up today If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe on any podcast channel you're on, iTunes, podcast, Spotify, and more. And if you really, really want to help us out, please leave us a review. It helps us so much to reach more people just like you. And finally, if you want to go a little bit deeper and dig into the research, see some free classes and guides, come and join our free community at braintools.mn.co. Can't wait to see you next week.